BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. It's a discussion of the latest entertainment news and celebrity gossip that go beyond the headlines. Welcome to Daily Pop, the podcast edition. Hello, friends, and welcome to a Monday edition of Daily Pop. I am Carissa here with Justin and Melanie, and we have a giant show on tap for you today. Kylie Jenner is selling her majority stake in Kylie Cosmetics. Is this a good or a bad idea? Then we're hanging with the housewives at BravoCon. Who are the best and worst additions to the franchise? And Prince Andrew's new interview about Jeffrey Epstein. Was this idea a total mistake? All that and more. So let's start. Kylie Jenner just got $600 million richer, and she did it by selling a majority stake in Kylie Cosmetics to the huge cosmetics company, Coty. So Coty owns brands like CoverGirl, Balenciaga, and now it owns 51% of Kylie's company. The brand will be renamed to Kylie Beauty, and Kylie is still gonna stay on as the brand's public face. Now, Kylie sounds very excited about this. She told us, this partnership will allow me and my team to stay focused focused on the creation and development of each product while building the brand into an international beauty powerhouse. Wow. So what do you guys think about this idea? Good, bad? I think it's fantastic. How old is she now? 22? 22. And she's just sold half of her company that she started as a teenager for $600 million. That is pretty amazing, right? Yeah. And yeah, now it's going to become bigger. And it means that she can just focus on coming up with whatever she, you know, like doing the inspirational stuff behind it, conceptualizing it. I was still surprised she would go 51%. I thought she would have still maintained that control. No, because any company that's going to buy and spend that amount of money does not want to then not be able to do what they're going to do with that brand and take it. And they have like tons of experience that company mm-hmm. right this is going to be a much bigger brand and she can also then spend some of her time doing the other things that she cares about yeah making another starting another yeah, company and mm-hmm. making it into another billion dollar profitable yeah. house yeah i mean listen anytime someone gives you 600 million dollars you it's can take thing. that it's a good thing because <laughs> you could take that money and let it seed your next idea and the one idea after that without having to get investors The only downside of this, which can be avoided, is a lot of the people like Kylie Cosmetics because it's her. And sometimes when a bigger company comes in, it kind of sort of loses its identity, and a lot of people may run from that if it goes there. But I don't think they'll let it go there. Um, Because I just think she puts her personal stamp on every single product that she has. Well, they would be silly to change that because that's exactly why it's became the success that it has. But I also do understand too, you know, once you're trying to go international, I mean, she's already built this, you know, to be this huge, massive company. She's done so much. And now it's like, 
do I really want to work? Like, not that she doesn't want to work, but I mean, no. to work on the stuff that you're like, she's not so passionate good at conceptualizing about. Yeah, and the she likes to sell it, it and, and do the marketing, and she likes to come up with the fun colors and do the collaborations with her sisters. Like, that's the stuff where you know the business starts. Yeah. yeah. From. But what makes her a good business person is that she knows her shortcomings. She knows, as well as Chris knows, yo, we can't take this to where we need to take it. Let's go ahead and partner with yeah. this company and let somebody else do the footwork because we're talking talking about a 22-year-old girl right now who probably wants to prioritize being a mom and wanting to be home for Stormy's course, big moments. Yeah. So I think for her, this was the strongest, most strategic business move ever. But I have a feeling that there's something else cooking on the back burner. Like another company? Another company. Because to go out and put yourself out there and say, yo, we're looking for someone to buy this, nine times out of 10, Chris and Kylie have something else cooking up that they're gonna use that seed money to start. Don't they exhaust you sometimes? <laughs> like, I just look at them and how much they do and I think, don't you wanna sleep ever? <laughs> like, or just have like a lazy day on the couch? Sleeping. No? She's sleeping. Okay. Uh, the first ever BravoCon has come to a close. All of the biggest Bravo stars were there, including some of the ladies from the Real Housewives of OC. Now, we asked Tamara, who was the best recent addition to their show? And that set off a whole argument with Vicky. And so we're going to now move the conversation to us. Do you guys have like a favorite housewife that has joined the franchise or and one that maybe you thought should have never joined the franchises? Um, I love a Kenya Moore moment. I feel like Kenya Moore came in at the perfect time where she came in and she kind of sort of like whipped it all back up. Like she took all the old drama, stirred it up and served it back to us. Yeah. So for me, Kenya Moore was one of the best additions. So I'm going to talk about, and Justin's going to tell me off for saying this, but Lisa Vanderpump, I'm sad that she's not there anymore. Mm. And, um, and that's somebody that I would want to come back in because whether you liked her or you didn't like her, she could be very polarizing and she could be, mm -hmm. she was somebody who, like, I just found her very interesting to watch. Yeah. I'm not mad about that. I'm going to miss Lisa. I am. Um, okay, I have I my I did, answers. guys. I bumped into her in the corridor here maybe a week ago. <laughs> Wait, Lisa? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I said, are you coming back? And she was like, no, no, no. Like, I'm working on my dog things, and I'm working on, like... Vanderpump rules, and I was like, but are you coming back? She was like, here's my, you know, let's go for dinner sometime. I was like, okay. <laughs> it's too soon. Give yeah, her another too year. Soon to Maybe ask, she'll I feel like. think about it. You know who I think really added some spice to the Real Housewives of OC was Kelly Dodd. Oh, yeah. She's just, like, when she came in, you were kind of like, this girl's not like the other girls. Like, there was something different about her. She just has dynamic. no filter with their dynamic, but she has added so much to that show that I really feel like it would be boring-ish without her. Yeah. You know, we need her. Um, the one person that I feel like maybe wasn't the best addition was Lydia mm. from Real Housewives of OC. And not because I didn't like her, because she was just so nice. Mm. I mean, she's literally the friendliest person ever. She didn't like fighting. I felt like it was she was out of her comfort zone on that show. Somebody who doesn't like fighting going on a Real Housewives show is not good. Right. You're right. And so I felt like when she was off, I'm like, this has to be better for your life yeah. to just not have to yeah. be on this show anymore. I wouldn't be good on that show. Um, there, were also, there was also this really big Housewives announcement. Really good. You're conniving. You think and you're she very, would? Yeah, she's very calculated. Oh. Very calculated. You think I'm calculating? Ooh, 100%. See, I don't. I think she wears her heart on her sleeve, and you can tell where it's going, like, in two seconds. That's the ones <laughs> that you have to watch out for. <laughs> you just think I'm calculating because I I have the balls to stand up to you. Oh! 
Mm-hmm. Nice. I've seen the act. Oh, 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 oh my God, can I get a tea? And then the camera goes off and it's a whole different person. You too. Okay, well, maybe we can get a Real Housewives of Daily Pop because there was this big announcement out of BravoCon that the show is going to be headed to Salt Lake City. It's going to be the 10th franchise. So now that we've got everything from New York City to Atlanta to Beverly Hills to now Salt Lake City, what other city does Bravo need to add to their roster? I want, so that was Mexico City, I really want. I've been spending a ton of time in Mexico recently. I got back from Guadalajara, guys, at 1 a.m. this morning, so I'm Exhausted, but I'd love to stay in Mexico City and also like Alaska. Oh. I'd actually quite like, like some, just something where I'm also going to learn a little bit. I feel like Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, we're going to learn a lot about the Mormon church. We're going to learn about just different dynamics, right? That's what I yeah. want. That is true. I don't, gosh, guys, I don't know much about Alaska. There's not much to know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know much about what's happening there. That's a good I've one. I've been there twice to cover um, Sarah Palin's daughter's engagement years ago, but I would just—I just felt like it would be fascinating. I know they've looked into Miami before. Have they ever done a Miami? They've done Miami. They've done it twice, but for some it reason never it never sticks. works. I think yeah. it's just bad timing when they go for Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, what would what you I say? think they should do is kind of sort of have the same cities just with a new group of friends. So the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, OGs, and then have a season where it's like the new school people. Same with Atlanta, same with New York. And they run at the same time? And they run at different times. Oh, different times, Like the first set of groups go for one season and then the next season we have the The new people. The OGs will not like that. I just think it would be great. (laughs) Don't you, Kyle Richards would be like, are you kidding me? She'd be like, great, give me a break. There is like uh, significant evidence that most, there, that a lot of women now are not getting married. So why not have a non-married, like where you're like single girls of Beverly Hills? Well, most of single them are girls. single. I don't know why they even call it housewives anymore. It's like basketball wives. Yeah. No one's married to anyone <laughs> Nobody's in the league. Um, all right. Well, we'll see. But Salt Lake City sounds kind of interesting. That's definitely going to be. I think so too. I'm opening. Okay. Moving on to John Hamm and Lindsay Shookus. These two have reignited romance rumors after they were spotted out at a Saturday Night Live after party. So Lindsay, of course, as you know, is a producer on the show. And a source tells Us Weekly, John and Lindsay were affectionate. But no PDA. This quote made no sense. It said they were touch it, they touched one another, but there was no PDA. What do they think PDA stands for? So this is public displays of affection. affection. Like this would be a public display of affection. I would not consider that a public display of affection. Okay. Same. Not a romantic one then. Interesting. And another source claims that the two acted amicable. Mm. So I don't know, but the thing is we are seeing them together quite a few times. So a few months ago, they were seen at opening night of a play in Broadway. What do you guys think? Do you think these two are on to being in a relationship? I'll just say the Saturday night also citing is them with Lorne Michaels. Like they're also there with other people at the table and he's just been on the show. This is obviously what happens afterwards. You go to the party or you have a dinner like with the people that you've just been, who have just produced you. Yeah, but we kind of said that about Ben Affleck whenever it first started too. Mm-hmm. We were like, well, he was probably just in town for the show and was meeting with a bunch of people and then the next thing you knew it, they were like a hot and heavy item. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. You know, when you date someone who's sober or if you're a sober person, you kind of sort of want to date somebody who understands the experience, Mm -hmm. who understands what you're going through, understands the restrictions. And I think a lot of times 
other sober like celebrities as John Hamm knows that Lindsay's been through it with Ben. I will say it reminds me of a lot of my friends who date um, who are trans or of trans experience, they often date the same kind of guys because they don't have to explain themselves. Yeah. There's no judgment there. There's a feeling of comfort. I will say, however, though, I feel like Lindsay Shookas is a lot like us in the sense that a lot of women, I think, think they can save people or they can fix a wounded bird. I have a lot of friends who love a wounded bird. But and do I'm not they saying... know that about themselves? I feel like I have friends that do that too, but they don't realize that about themselves. It just has seems to be a pattern that they keep doing. But what is it? I think it's just like they have a lot of love. Like they have a lot of love to give and they feel for people. They have a lot of empathy and they really feel like they're the strong support system and they're able to provide that that maybe other people can't. They feel like that's a strength of theirs. Mm. I think like with my friend, she feels like she's the rock. Like she can be a rock for somebody and she's comfortable being that person. And she likes feeling needed. Um, but to the detriment of herself? Because I feel like a lot of times people, and I'm not saying this about Lindsay Shukas, but a lot of times, a lot of women, and I don't know why it happens with women mostly, what happens is their needs take a back seat because they want to be seen as a savior for this person. It's almost like a savior complex. Like, well, oh, I'm the person thing. who saved. Guys, why are we presuming that John Hamm is a wounded bird? No, and I said wounded bird. I don't think John Hamm is a wounded bird, but I think to some people, I think she might think she can get in there and save him. I mean, guys, John Hamm is gorgeous, sexy, and like... You can be sexy and wounded. I agree. I think... Brad Pitt is sexy <laughs> and wounded. Brad Pitt is... No, he's got... Brad Pitt is sexy and wounded. Not anymore. I don't think Brad Pitt's Most wounded anymore. Most of the best anymore. people are a little wounded, right? Most of, all of us are a little wounded in some way. No, I don't think wounded is a bad word to say. I think just sometimes when you have some scars, like, you know, you could be sexy and wounded. You could be rich and wounded. You're right. You could be a billionaire and not have it all the way together. All right, guys, coming up, let us know your thoughts on our top stories. Hit us up with hashtag Daily Pop Plus. Oh, man, Prince Andrew opens up about his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. This interview, was it just a huge mistake? We'll discuss after the break. Can he be British and wounded? Yes, I know it. Calculating? Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right, let's get to Prince Andrew's new interview. He talked about his ties with convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein over the weekend on BBC Newsnight. And the reaction has been swift and harsh. The interview was nearly 50 minutes long, and throughout it, the prince strongly rejected allegations of sexual misconduct. He attempted to clarify his relationship with Epstein and explained why he stayed at his home. Watch. It was a convenient place to stay. I admit fully that, 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 that my judgment was probably colored by my um, tendency to be too honorable, but that's just the way it is. One of Epstein's accusers, Virginia Roberts, yeah. has made allegations against you. She says she met you in 2001. She says she dined with you, danced with you at Tramp Nightclub in London. She went on to have sex with you 
in a house in Belgravia belonging to Gerlin Maxwell, your friend. Your response? I have no recollection of ever meeting this lady. None whatsoever. You don't remember meeting her? No. Epstein died in jail last August as he faced sex trafficking charges. As for this interview, one royal commentator said, <laughs> I expected a train wreck. That was a plane crashing into an oil tanker, causing a tsunami, triggering a nuclear explosion level bad. So, was not well received. Uh, was this interview a mistake? It, a colossal. Uh, colossal huge. mistake. Huge. So I watched the whole thing on Saturday night and I, Honestly, it was cringe-worthy. There were so many parts of it that were... You just couldn't believe that he was answering this. Look, his PR manager, Prince Andrews, quit two weeks before because he said he did not think that this interview should go ahead. Wow. This interview was actually led to way more questions than answers. Yeah. It has been... There's been transatlantic condemnation of this. It has backfired in such a massive way. And I think now the only thing that Prince Andrew can do is um, come to America and do an interview with the FBI and actually, like, answer some of these questions in a legal setting. He won't, right? Because he says that he will. What he is asked in the interview if he would consider doing that, and he says he will. But I, I don't know how else for him to get out of this PR nightmare. Oh I God. think he should have stuck with what the royals were doing, and that was firing out Meghan and Harry stories to make this one go well, away. The problem is, is that this has been a big story for three months, except no one's really been focusing on it. And nothing has changed in the past few months as far as, like, you know, Virginia is taking her action, and we've known about that. But it's just the fact that we are now hearing his side, and it just, there are too many questions. You, you know, he's friends with Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein is, admits that he's a sex offender. Four years later, after not speaking to him, you stay at his house in order to break up the friendship. And you for said four to four days. This wasn't four a retreat. It's the only place, it was a convenient place to stay. What? You're in the royal family. What you can it? pay for a hotel. With the last so crazy. Yeah, but stayed at any, like, a friend's house for four and days. Like, do, do you regret your friendship with Jeffrey Epstein? Well, no, because actually it was really convenient. He got me lots of connections. You do not regret your friendship with a convicted sex crime Well, he criminal? said in the, in the interview, it's uh, just on top terrible. of it being convenient, he said, oh, I went over to Jeffrey's to let him know that it's a, inappropriate for us to be seen together. Yes. Not for us to be friends. Not for me to be friends with a convicted sex offender. And then stayed for four days during and, that breakup with a friend. And did not have money? And I'm was so the head guest by... at a dinner party. I mean, this is just absolute... That's what I mean by more questions than answers. Yeah. Is that we've now learned so much more about his friendship with Jeffrey Epstein. And it just... And now with so many more questions. But here's also the problem, because let me tell you what people honestly do when they are in a PR nightmare. Whether or not there is a criminal investigation coming up what you always say is, I cannot answer these questions at this time because there is a criminal investigation pending. That will get you out of all of the hoopla quickly. Now that he's opened up to the BBC, every news outlet is going to want a piece of him. Everybody is going to want to report on this. Okay, Everyone's going to take his words, and they're going to be spread all over for the next few days. And the more and more this case goes, if it goes to trial, if it gets to the next level in a court system, they're always going to refer back to this. 
I think in his mind, he thought he could trust the BBC, but who's gonna sit down for 50 minutes? I thought she did a great job. I thought she did an amazing job. Exceptional job. I just feel very sorry for the Queen, right? The Queen is waking up today and has Harry doing interviews, talking, admitting his feud with William. She's got her second son now, like, being like a laughing stock. They're calling him the Prince of Porky, Porkies on the papers, which is Porky Pies, which is lies. Um, you know, he's just been, he's become a joke. I'm glad you explained that because I wouldn't I have got that. She Porky loved pies. It. Porky I think pies. she loved when Harry said what he said about William. I think the royal press <laughs> secretly <laughs> loved it because, Melanie, what happens in a camp? Let the me tell you what happens in Hollywood. Like Let me tell you what happens in Hollywood. Queen. What happens is when you have a huge celebrity on your roster, whether you're a manager, or you're a publicist and something big is about to come out about this person, what you do is you sell the lesser celebrity out and you give a scandal on them to save the big one. So what was happening in that whole press corps was, hey, we're gonna let this Harry and Meghan thing come out so nobody will talk about a sex offender in the royal um, family. I don't think this story story was postponed maybe, but it was never gonna go away until, you know, there were some answers out there. And I will say, like, a lot of people are saying, like, well, he shouldn't have done the interview at all, but I'm kind of, I'm glad he did. He was trying to do the interview because that's all anybody wanted to know about and he wanted to actually talk about his causes. The problem is now, like, there's a university that he's the head of or on the board of, and they now want his face off it. There's a a pub called the Duke of York Pub. They want his face taken from the sign of this pub. Like, what's now happened is people are now, like, all of his things that were already established are now being questioned whether he should have that power. Yeah. And whether he should retire from royal life, which is something that's being Wow, I need a committee. A lot of people I, I read about pushing for that. Like, just get out of there. It's a disaster. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, still ahead. Kim and Kanye are both changing and growing as individuals, but how do you make sure your marriage evolves as well? That discussion just ahead. Mm. Drama! I know that God's been calling me for a long time, and the devil's been distracting me for a long time. All of that arrogance and confidence and cockiness that y'all see me use, Uh, before God is now using for him. You start to feel like Satan is the most powerful and you start to feel like if you service God that in life it means you will not prosper. And the only way to prosper, and now the trend, the shift is going to to change. And I told you about my, my arrogance and cockiness already. Now, the greatest artist that God has ever exist, uh, created is now working for him. <laughs> That's just a little bit of Kanye's speech at Lakewood Church in Texas. You know, this isn't the first time he's called himself the greatest artist that's ever existed, but this is the first time I've heard him say the greatest artist that God has ever created. <laughs> what do you, you know what? Think? You know, sometimes you have to tell yourself that because if you don't believe it, how will you make executives believe it or, or, you know, fans? Like, sometimes you just got to have that confidence. That's true. I think he's joking. That's what he just said. He was just talking about, like, using how he has a big ego and how he... It's all part of the showmanship and it's actually all part of the charisma. And, yes, it kind of... when you If you were to read that on paper, you'd be like, oh, he's got such a big head. But he's actually, like... 
I think he does, but I, I also, we all know that Kanye has doubted himself in the past. He's been very honest about that. But right now, he's just, it's part of his... Almost making a joke of a his yes. ego in the past. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right, well, Kanye talks a lot about the transformation he's been going through. And we've also seen Kim change, seen Kim change a lot as well as she focuses on prison reform and becoming a lawyer. So they're both doing these big transformations but how do you make that work whenever you're married and you're both kind of on your, like these, like he's really different going journeys. into religion and he, she, she's really going into law school. I mean, and not that they're on totally different paths because I, you know, she does go to church with him and I'm sure he's very supportive of her law career, but they're very focused on two different things. How do you keep that together? Does that make sense? Not I, lose yeah. Each other? You know, I think for a couple who may be going through something similar, I think part of making it work is not only being aware that you're on a journey, but also being aware that your partner is not on the same journey as you. It takes a it, it takes a lot. Remember that fight between Kim and Kanye? On Keeping Up With The Yes, yeah, when they were at the Met. Yeah, and oh, he was, he for was sure. criticizing her Met Gala outfit, and she was like, look, I know you're on a journey, but I'm not. Yeah, but listen, if you're in a relationship with somebody and you've been with them for seven years and they have not gone through even a mini transformation or grew or evolved a little bit, that's when you need to be a little bit afraid. If you yourself are in a relationship and you've been the same person from 2012 until 2019, you need to be like, what the hell am I doing? I think every relationship has to evolve and has to grow. And part of evolving in a relationship is evolving by yourself. I don't think they're on different journeys. I think they're on the same journey, right? They're both using their celebrity in order to make a difference in a bigger way. Mm. And hers as far as pris prison reform and criminal reform and his is in like sp spreading a positive message. So they're actually doing the same thing. It's just they have different outlets. Well, somebody should tell him that because he was very upset when she was doing her thing at the Met. And she said verbatim, just because you're on this journey doesn't mean I have to be on this journey too. I know clothing thing, but at the moment, as far as like her doing her law stuff, they are both working on something that isn't just about them. Yeah, I think it's a really important to include each other in what you're doing. Well, she was there with him yesterday. Yeah, and and I think that they're doing a good job of that, and I know that she's he has joined her as well in, in some of her situation, her um, visits and stuff. So I think it's important not to have a, like to, to close your partner out, you know, whenever you're going on this transformation. Like, even if they don't want to be fully on board with you, they're not fully into whatever you're into at the moment because they don't have to be, you can't expect them to be, but as long as you feel supported by them and you invite them to be a part of it, then I think that's important because what could happen is you can get so caught up in what you're doing and so caught up in your own transformation that you forget about your spouse or you put them on the back burner and then that person's going to feel like this this new goal of yours is more important than me and you don't yeah. want that. But that's so a growing pain. That's a growing pain of figuring out where your transformation and your spouse meet. And that's what happened at the keep, with, on Keeping Up with the Kardashians at the Met. It's because they hadn't fully met yet. They were trying to work out the kinks and the yeah. bumps. Well, because we know Kanye goes full throttle, right? So I bet there's times where Kim has to be like, hello, let's remind, like, I'm your number one priority. Yes, this project's going to be great. But like, hello, I'm first. But even in his transformation, remember those years where it seemed like what Kanye said kind of sort of went. Like, Kanye likes me to wear this, so I'm gonna wear this. Kanye kind of likes this, so I'm gonna do this. She's almost finding her voice in her marriage through his transformation, 
which is so interesting. But have you ever been friends with somebody or dated somebody that went through a religious awakening? Mm -hmm. It's like the first six months or the first eight months, they're trying to like shove Jesus down your throat so mm -hmm. hard and they get judgy and they, they go through like, oh, I can't be around you because you're not part of this. And then all of a sudden you just like, slowly they come, they come back to reality. They know how to like balance it a little bit. Mm -hmm. It must be hard to date someone or be married to someone who's going through this religious thing and you're not there. It's yeah, tough. I do think that Kim is religious enough to understand where Kanye's going going through. Because, I mean, I do know she has, like, a strong relationship with God. All the Kardashians do. They've always been very important. Church has always been very important to them. Um, but I do know what you're saying, and I've been in that 100% situation. Um, and it didn't work out for us. But not to say that some people can, you know, make it through right. that. Yeah. For sure. You just eventually have, you just can't like box your partner out for what right. you want to mm, do. You have to keep them a part of it. Okay, up next, John Goslin calls his ex Kate a narcissist. Did fame change her? That debate is next. She's narcissistic, you're saying. You're passive aggressive. Those things don't tend to go together well. Were you already having issues? Um, I didn't really notice those personality disorders till after filming. Fame and money, and I think fame's worse than money. Uh, fame's different only because fame, things are given to you. You're held to a higher standard. You're put on a pedestal. It's like a, almost like a drug, you know, like an addiction. And you know, once you have that and that lifestyle, um, you can see certain tendencies in people. It just, it feeds. Wow, that's John Goslin on Dr. Oz blaming fame for changing his ex, Kate. So it's been 10 years since the parents of eight split, and we should add the gag order on their divorce has been lifted. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, because you couldn't tell. Uh, do you believe him? Did fame ruin Kate? You know, I remember reporting on this split when it happened, and um, they actually split because he had a, a dalliance with um, somebody at a local bar and, um, and basically cheated on her. So that's why they split. Um, but I would say that fame changes a lot of people for the worse. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, we, we have a whole E! True Hollywood story about this yeah. that you guys can watch. Um, it, fame 100% is, is an addiction and it can definitely change people. It definitely brings, um, there is a lot of things that are given to you and it become kind of get this false sense of ego sometimes. I wouldn't necessarily pinpoint that fame changed Kate specifically in this relationship. I think these two were like oil and water. After a while, they just did, I think in the beginning it sounded good, it was all great, but something happened, maybe it was the cheating, maybe it was something else, but it was, they just were arch enemies for the longest time. And so I can't blame everything on one party. Yeah, you know, I think eight kids, having eight kids at one time changes people. And I think <laughs> certain times when you're with a partner and he's not pulling his weight and you go into fight or flight mode, I think, yeah, having these TV cameras around is showing you that you can take care of your kids. You can put, put them in school. You can bust them there. You can feed them. If John had such an issue with fame and Kate being on TV, I would say, listen, if you are willing and able to support these eight kids without these cameras, let's have this conversation. I have a friend who is, excuse me, a strip I'm putting out your business on TV. 
I have a friend who was a stripper for a very long time who had two children, and her baby daddy kept on saying, you need to get off the pole, you need to get off the pole. And she would say, if you're willing to help me with these kids and put food on this table, I will do it, but I have to do this for money. Well, damn, he called her bluff. And then she had to get off the pole because he was paying for private school. He was, you know, contributing. I just don't think that John Gosling has or has been able to make a living to support eight children and to feed eight mouths and to give them the life that Kate saw that reality TV gave them. That's the thing. They were a happily married couple when they signed up with TLC to do the show initially. Were they? Yes, and well, in the very they were a beginning. together married couple at the beginning yeah. before they well, in the first two episodes. You gotta remember but way back. No, it was like <laughs> they did a few seasons before, and so he Jeez. made that decision at that time as well. If he didn't want it, don't do it. Like he's partially responsible. Oh, totally. For this. And he also continued to talk to the press for years after they broke up. So it's not like he didn't have his own addiction to fame. And I hope that he admitted that a little bit in the interview too. Okay, let's read some of your guys' thoughts on our story so far. Lindsay Shookus and John Hamm. Cindy says it's called being codependent, choosing the same type of person, a person who needs fixing. Yes. On Prince Andrew's interview, Juice says, I have no recollection as the new, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I love that she put the photo up. She was like, so you don't recall taking this photo. <laughs> and Intername says, the queen is probably so annoyed with everybody at I this mean, point. I her. mean, she absolutely loves her family, but she's probably very annoyed. She needs a gin and tonic. <laughs> Make her one stat. Okay, coming up, Tom Hanks makes another big screen transformation. His wife, Rita, tells us what it was like watching him become Mr. Rogers when Daily Pop continues. I've been through lots of transformations, and uh, Mr. Rogers was one of the nicer ones. You know, we've been through skinny, we've been through fat, we've, well, been, we've through been through fat. facial hair, we've been through all sorts of things. I think bald is coming up next, but it was good. Her version, she never really saw me in the full Batman outfit of the red, red sweater. And the, she came, she saw a guy coming home uh, with, in sweatpants after a, after a long day. They are so cute. That's Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson at the premiere of A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood mm -hmm. talking about the physical toll of acting. Could you guys live with someone who goes through these physical transformations to get into character? I mean, and throughout your whole relationship with them, they're constantly putting on weight, losing weight, changing their hair. I'm gonna need the studio to run me a check <laughs> while I'm going through this because I know what it feels like when I'm hungry. I know how angry I get to, to sort of be with somebody for that long while they go through it. Like when I think about what um, Camila Alves had to go through with Matthew McConaughey, oh, yes. that would scare me because I know how unhealthy that is. So to watch yeah, my husband kind of go to that lens, like I swear I would support my husband through no matter what, but I would only have one or two in me. And like you can't be yeah. doing this every movie role. I know, Camilla is a super healthy eater and they're a very active couple, so that's tough to be like putting on all that weight. What was that movie? Gold? Something about gold. Dallas Buyers Club. No, that was where he got really skinny, right? Dallas Buyers Club was when he was super skinny. And then what was the one he put on weight was the gold one. I don't remember. Anywho. But yeah, I think it would be tough because it does have an effect on you because you either, like, you're either like trying to be your normal healthy self and they're over there eating in and out every day and talking about it. And you're like, okay, you're gonna need to hide that pizza from me because I can't eat like you every day. 
But you would, do you think it would be harder to go through, go through with somebody who was gaining weight or losing an intense amount I of weight? I think gaining weight because I don't want to gain weight. <laughs> and so watching someone else get to eat whatever they want and splurge and all that is too tempting for me. If they're losing weight, then I'm like, okay, I guess I'll jump on this bandwagon too. We're just going to be super healthy at home. So if your husband was eating packing peanuts and an apple every day with a saltine just in case he passed out, you would be more okay with that Well, I wouldn't let him just eat that. I would say eat a chicken breast and some spinach and some broccoli. and <laughs> You can still be healthy and lose a lot of weight. What? Yeah. What would you, which one would you prefer? Oh, I just, I'd be fine regardless. If it's the person I love, it doesn't matter, right? It's their work. It's their work. What she dates men who lives out of the country, so she doesn't <laughs> have to stay with them all the time. She doesn't have to see that. Yeah, she all has right. a system. Well, you guys can check out Tom's Transformation and do Mr. Rogers when A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood hits theaters Friday. I cannot wait for that. It's like such a feel-good movie, it looks like. Okay, there were a bunch of events that happened over the weekend with a bunch of stars in awesome fashion, so time to do a roundup. First, we have Beyonce. She showed some leg and Roberto Cavalli gown. Oh my God, I love this so much. I love this too. I love this. She can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. It's just so like, the level of fashion is equates her level of fame. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I'm obsessed with this. I, I love the feathers. I love the gown. I love the fit. I love the shoe. I love the whole thing. Yeah. Not one positive, negative thing to say. Uh, Beyonce's curves were on full display in a David Coma gown. <laughs> this is my favorite one. I was saving my reaction for this one. <laughs> I love a liquid latex moment when something seems like it's been sprayed on you. Yeah. And it's just, I, I just like the craftsmanship in the gown. It's yeah. got that corset look and it's very beautiful. I still think the first one's better, but that's your opinion. Very pretty too. I pick this one over the first one. You do? Yeah, I do. Oh, I pick the feathers. I, I just, not everybody gets to wear feathers. Melanie's a thought like me, <laughs> yeah. secretly. Yeah. Okay, well, Not over at the Trevor Live Gala, we had Heidi Klum. Oh, she wore a gorgeous. fringe dress by Julia McDonald. This is gorgeous because her hair is also part of the fringe as well. It's all like the same thing. She looks fantastic. I love this too. It's like a very good dancing dress. It's fun, it's flirty, it's mm -hmm. sexy. I like it. You can only wear this if you're skinny. Yeah, <laughs> and she never hits it every time out of the park for me. Some of her fashion choices are a little too wild, but I like this for her. I like this for me. I would personally wear something cool like dress. this. She looks beautiful. It's sexy. It's because it's, it's see-through in yeah. the parts that are thighs. Cute. Okay, Zazie Beats was there. Living for Ooh, this. Gold Rodarte. It's a Melanie moment. It is. It's, it's I a ha actually moment. have a skirt that I've worn on air with like this. <laughs> it's gorgeous. I don't know if it's lame or leather, but it looks fantastic. It's lame. And what I love about that lame look is that she knows that the dress is extra. So what she did was she kept the makeup, she kept the earrings, she kept all the jewelry really simple. No bag needed. She just knew that the dress had to do the talking. It looks like an art piece, honestly. It, it it's like this is one of those fashions that you would see in a museum later. You know, it's just. She's a goddess. Very well done. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, up next, a new museum is hoping to break down stigmas about women's bodies. We're discussing the any part of vagina museum. She really wants to talk about next. the vagina museum. <laughs> The first ever Vagina Museum opened in London this weekend. The museum's first exhibit is called Muff Busters, Vagina Myths and How to Fight Them. The goal is to erase taboos and educate the public. The museum hopes to clear up misconceptions around cleanliness, appearance, periods, <clears throat> sex, and contraception. 
Now, Melanie is very excited about this. She's been talking about it for days now. Tell us, why do you think this vagina museum is so fascinating? So the reason that this has been started is because there was a penis museum in Iceland, and they felt that it was time that you kind of like start talking about vaginas more frequently and with less of a kind of embarrassment around it. So I've been looking at some of the things you can do at the vagina museum. Mm. There's a crochet masterclass mm. where you can learn how to crochet a vulva. <laughs> There are art classes and various things, but it's really all about taking away the taboo, making yeah. like this body part that we never talk about, the, making it more like common and like, you know, easier to discuss, mm -hmm. and also encouraging people to go and get smears mm. and cervical cancer checks. So it's all about women empowerment and women's health. So I, I think, think it's, it's amazing. I'm going to London in two weeks and I am going. Are there, are, they, are there guided tours for those of us who don't know our way around? Yes. The, um, vagina vagina yes. Museum? Yes, there are. There are tours you can go on around this and they'll teach you all about it. Yes. Seems like it would be a, you know, kind of a rough throw in to right. for me, you know what yeah, I mean? That's a lot, that's a, a jolt. Yeah, you gotta take in a lot yes. of information at one time. Yeah. I do agree, I think there are a lot of myths and I do think there is like a lot of taboo topics about this. I mean, if I ever learn how to crochet, I don't know what the first thing I wanna crochet is a vulva. No, I don't know either, but you like it. Melanie's super, <laughs> super excited about it. Either way, uh, it's, it sounds like a really cool idea. And yeah, and if there's a penis museum, then well, hell. I would go to a, a penis museum. museum. I don't want to look at that either. Half what? of them are ugly. <laughs> I know. What, uh, what's all in the penis museum? We need to learn more about this penis museum. I don't know. It's in Iceland. But I love that the vagina museum is in England because people think we're so prim and proper and we're not. Oh, guys. I know you're wild and crazy. I've worked with you it's for two and a half years. It's just about education. It is. I've okay. seen how wild they get. Check that out, you guys, in England. Uh, you guys have some suggestions about where the Real Housewives should go next. So Colleen says, how about the Real Housewives I, of Nashville? I would love that. This too. town's a wealthy, hot mess, y'all. Mm -hmm. I love that idea, too. I know that there's been some sorts of shows over the years that have been similar to that, but not a Real Housewives franchise. But what happens in country music kind of always stays in country music. Yeah. So it would be kind of hard because a lot of Nashville is centered around the music. And they're all like friends and they don't really talk a whole lot of shit about each other. They do. They just keep it real secret. They like talk shit about each other openly on camera is what I mean. Like would they really ever do that? I don't know how many would actually do that. But who knows? They might be there. Okay, Lisa says they should do a Real Housewives of Chicago. If they do Alaska, they must have Sarah Palin. Yeah, they must have somebody from that family. Yeah. Mm. And on whether fame changed Kate Gosselin, Robin says, all I remember from John and Kate plus eight is Kate constantly putting John down. Nothing he did was right in her eyes. Amen. So I don't understand why y'all thought Kate and John had this bomb-ass marriage. I don't think they had a bomb-ass marriage. I think there were moments where it was good in the beginning. Kate is Maybe a bitch. I have to watch Great. episodes. I love but. one. Like, it's just who she is. Reality TV just, like, literally amplifies it. It does magnify speed it up. She speeds personality. it up. She's going to be this person in 10 years, 15 years. She just got it in five. Mm hmm. Okay. We'll be right back with more Daily Pop, you guys. Stay with us. Keep your tweets coming. Jennifer Lopez is the icon of the year, according to GQ magazine. She is one of their men of the year, on the, one of their men of, year, men of the year covers alongside Tyler, the creator, and Al Pacino, and Robert De Niro. Very cool. This is, she's had a huge year, right? Darling, she's on Oscar campaign right now, even though nothing's been announced yet. 
She's everywhere. She is everywhere, and rightly so. Everywhere. Yeah. What do you think is the top accomplishment so far? I just think being her and being 50 and like breaking down the stigma of a woman of a certain age. Just that's killing it. it. We love you, JLo. All right, that's our time tomorrow. We've got Teresa Judas wow. joining us live. We have lots of questions for her, so stick around. See you tomorrow. That's Bye. A big interview. Huge. Thanks for listening to the podcast edition of Daily Pop. Remember, we've got a new episode every day. Make sure to subscribe and have a great rest of your day.